We're beginning a brand new series called No Fear November. Before we kind of dive into that, I, I have two kind of things I, I just want to tell you all today. Uh, last weekend, we had an incredible, incredible weekend at church. We had our uh, water baptism and family fun day, and, and maybe you got to come out and participate with us, hang out, see people, we get baptized. But we saw 36 people go out and get water baptized last Sunday. Come on. Yeah, that's awesome. We've seen over 75 people this year uh, get water baptized, and, and, and here's the deal. Like, you might be, oh, 75 people. Well, you got to understand, the average church in America, they're lucky. Like, the statistics say the average church in America wins two people to Jesus a year. So just to put that in context, we had 75 people that have accepted Jesus, and then they wanted to publicly declare that. That's just people accepting Jesus. So, I mean, we're doing an amazing, amazing job. Maybe we don't always see that. We don't always understand that. But, like, it's incredible to see what God is doing here. And then secondly, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about our Immeasurably More building project. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, we, we did a special offering two weeks ago to get that project started. And so I, I thought today I would give you an update. Anybody want to hear the update of the Measurely More building project? So, so not really. Okay, we'll just go on with service. Anybody want to hear the update of Measurely More? Nope, still don't. Okay. So we're in a series called No Fear November. And uh, some of y'all are afraid that you're not going to hear this number. So uh, how many of you guys want to actually hear the immeasurably more number? Come on, give it up. That's a little bit better. So uh, over the last couple of weeks, what you guys gave uh, for that special offering in the weeks leading up to it uh, was $225,993.66 to be exact. And so that's incredible. Yeah, that, give yourselves a hand. That, like, that's incredible, incredible generosity. I know people sacrificed. They gave sacrificially to, to get this project started. And listen, man, that, we're, we're like halfway there of our goal for this year to end 2016. You guys have done a great start. There's still opportunities to give uh, through the end of this year as we try to meet that goal of $500,000 by the end of this year towards immeasurably more so that next year we can finish off the last 700 of it and so we can go into a new facility. Y'all should be ex excited about that in 2018 at some point. So we're excited about what God is doing here through your generosity. And let me just say this, there's, there's one story that kind of that blows my mind. Uh, one of the, the kids workers was telling me that as they were back there in Coastal Kids that there was a three-year-old that came in with like this bag, Ziploc baggie of all this change. In fact, I was going to bring it today because it was, I was so touched by this. And this teacher was going, hey, where, where'd you get all this money from? And, and like, why'd you bring it today? And this little boy, he goes, man, I went and I emptied everything out of my piggy bank because I wanted to reach more kids for Jesus through immeasurably more. And, uh, like, if that doesn't challenge you, that challenges me. Challenges me that we're raising up a next generation that sees the value of life change for generations to come and that they're willing to do whatever it takes to reach more kids. And, uh, you know, as a church, that's part of what we value is we'll do whatever it takes to reach more people for Jesus. And so I'm excited about our future. I'm excited about what God is going to continue to do. But we're gonna dive in today to a series called No Fear November. And uh, the reason we were doing this series is because I realized that the holidays are right around the corner. Everybody ready for the, for the holidays? Are you guys ready for Thanksgiving? Any Thanksgiving fans in here? Not really. Christmas fans? 
few more Christmas friends. What, why does everybody hate on Thanksgiving? Like, what's the deal? Like, we just, we kind of skip. I was at Home Depot. We've been renovating a house. And, like, Home Depot has no Thanksgiving decorations for sale in there. It's all Christmas at this point. We, we forgot to be thankful, and we just skip right to Jesus' birth. I don't know what the deal is. But uh, I, 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 I fear for a lot of people that this is a difficult time of the year. This is a difficult time because there's so many things to do. There's so many things to take place. There's so many uh, people to try to please. If you have family, trying to please everybody in your family, trying to, trying to live up to gifts that you've gotten in the past or you've given in the past, trying to not go overboard with your spending. There's a lot of things that can consume you during this season of life. And so it's easy to become fearful in this season. And this was driven by a verse out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. And, and, and I was reading that verse actually this morning, and, and God just really spoke to me about something. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. That means that if God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, somebody else has. And so if that's not who God is and that's not his nature, if, if God's nature is power, love, and self-discipline, then who must give us a spirit of fear? The enemy? The devil? He's the one that is putting that in our minds. And so a lot of us, we're walking around and we're living with a spirit of fear. And fear can do some crazy things in people's lives. In fact, I was doing some research this week. And, and I was just looking at some different fears that people deal with. And, and, and I wrote a couple down, some phobias, some common phobias that people have. Most people suffer from pathophobia, the fear of disease. A lot of people are afraid of getting diseases or monophobia, the fear of being alone. A lot of single people have that fear. Like, I don't want to be alone. I have monophobia. You know, like they're looking for somebody in their life or glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking, an odd one for me because that's what I do every week. So I'm like, oh, that doesn't have uh, fearful or all, all. Algophobia, algophobia, the fear of pain. Uh, some people are probably unaware. If you're married, uh, you might have this particular fear. It's a, it's a fear that I had for a long time. Uh, it's called pantherophobia. It's the fear of your mother-in-law. Anybody have that fear? <laughs> couple, a couple of guys, they like, they're making sure they're not sitting near their mother-in-law because that would be bad if you raise your hand right there. Uh, some people are struggling with logophobia, the fear of words. Uh, this, is, this is one. I've been trying to say this word all morning, and, and it, it's a doozy. It's called hippotoponosopaequipiodelophobia. It's about 37 letters. It's the fear of long words. And so, uh, but the funniest one that I could find, it was called arachibotriophobia. It's the fear of peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of your mouth. Anybody else got that fear? Like that's a, it's a terrible, that's just, that's, just, that's just mean to do that to somebody. But uh, there's actually over 4,000 like diagnosed phobias out there. 4,000. And it's easy to laugh over some of those. But if you're dealing with fear, if you're dealing with that anxiety that comes along with fear, it isn't a laughing matter for you. In fact, it's a very, very difficult thing. And in doing some research, uh, a lot of psychologists say that there are some, some, some really crippling things that fear 
causes to have happen in our life. In fact, if you're taking notes, uh, they say that it consumes our mind. What fear does in our life is it actually starts to consume our mind. And in the research that I did, it showed that about 95% of, of the fears that people have, 95% of them are baseless. Like they're not real. In fact, Mark Twain said, I've been through some terrible times in my life, few of which actually happened. And some of that, that is your life right now. Man, you've got all these terrible things happening in your life. They're not really happening in your life. They're happening in your mind. There's something that's consuming your mind and it's ruining your life. And the reality is, is that very few of those will actually happen. Like, let me give you an example. How many of you are afraid of sharks? How many people are afraid of sharks? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, all over the place. Lots of people are afraid of sharks. Man, there's, you live in South Florida, y'all. You are afraid of sharks. I went swimming with a great white shark this summer. It was amazing. Like, I, I promise you, you could take a shark. Like, you could just punch them in the throat. But here's the deal. Check this out. Barnyard pigs kill more people every year than sharks do. Listen, you should be afraid of bacon and not sharks. I know some people like bacon. They're like, okay, I'm not going to be afraid of sharks. But the reality is, is that most of the fears, the things that we have, they never happen. They're baseless, but yet they so consume our minds. This summer, Shayla and I, were, were, we went on a on trip, and we were at this place called Table Mountain. It's one of the highest points in South Africa, and uh, it's basically this, this huge mountain that's flat with a steep drop-off on the edge, and, and I don't know about you, but I love anything dangerous. I love anything that's death-defying. Like, you, you want to do something stupid, and you need a ride or die, I'm your man. Like, I'm with you all the way. Like, like let's just go do something dumb. Uh, like, I love that stuff. Like, if, it, if I could possibly die, I'm in. Because that's a great story to tell. Not everybody can tell those stories. I like telling those stories. Why well, I swam with sharks. Uh, but like my wife, on the other hand, she hates heights. And so to convince her to go hiking on the top of this mountain, she was okay as long as we stayed about 30 yards from the edge. But you know, there's not much of a view 30 yards from the edge. The best view of Table Mountain of everything around is right on the edge. It's where you get the best perspective of what's really going on. And so I'm the guy that's like out on the edge. I'm standing on the edge. I'm doing handstands. I wish I had pictures of this because we, we have pictures. I was doing like handstands on the edge of the mountain because I just wanted to look cool and thought that maybe Rogue would would retweet my picture or something and, and I'd become famous and go viral and all those things. It didn't happen. And I was like hanging off the cliff, like climbing up. I'm like, babe, get a good picture. She's like, don't fall, don't fall. I'm like, just tap the picture so I don't fall, you know? And, and uh, finally, like I'm standing out on the edge. I'm like, Shayla, you got to come to the edge. This is amazing. And she's like, I'm scared. I'm going to die if I go to the edge. And, and I finally convince her and Shayla literally gets down on her hands and knees on top of the mountain and crawls out like this to the edge and it's like she gets to the edge and she is shaking I'm like babe are you dead she's like no I'm like do you think you're gonna die she's like I don't know and I, I grab her by the hand and I stand her up and I'm like are, are you dead yet and she's like no and then I was like just look out open your eyes now open your eyes and just look out and she's standing on the edge with her toes right over the edge she looks out and she see, she gets the perspective that she's never seen before She's like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever experienced. You know where she was for the rest of the trip? Out on the edge with me. The problem is, 
is so many of us live with a fear of the wild, irrational, crazy death thoughts in our life that we never actually live. We're so afraid of everything that we never step out into the unknown and experience what God has for our lives. And we never truly have a beginning because we never start. In fact, Psalm 13:2 says this, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Some of you, that's the verse that describes your life. It's the reality. How long are you going to continue to wrestle with these wild, irrational thoughts in your life? And, and how long are those thoughts going to cause sorrow to happen in your life? And at the same point, those thoughts are from the enemy, and the enemy continues to win the battle of your mind. Let me just tell you this. If that's you, this series is for you. I believe that you're going to find health, you're going to find healing, and you're going to find breakthrough in your life. Another thing that fear does is it clouds your judgment. Uh, I, we recently moved into a, a new house, and we've been remodeling it. I was, I was outside, and my neighbor has one of those signs that, that is the, that sign that you're always like a little scared of, the beware of dog sign. Anybody have a beware of dog sign at their house or around their house? Nobody. Nobody likes dogs. There's one guy. Okay, cool. Um, Sweet. Well, my neighbor has one. And so I automatically think if you have a beware of dog sign, then you've got a ferocious dog. You know, like you're going to have a pit bull. You're going to have a Rottweiler. You're going to have something manly. And so I, I'm outside. I'm doing some stuff around our house yesterday. And I look over for the first time and I see this guy's dog. And I'm thinking, beware of dog. This, this thing's going to be ferocious. It's going to be loud. And I hear, And it's this like little white furball of, of a dog. I don't know what it is. It's like, it's like the dog that you could pick up and punt from Anchorman. Uh, it's like that kind of dog. And, and I'm like, man, that dude, that dude had me fooled. Because I was thinking that dog was going to be ferocious. And my neighbor comes out and I'm like, dude, what's up with the sign? Like, what's up with the beware of dog sign? And, and, and he goes, because uh, I was like, dude, that, that dog ain't going to keep anybody away. He's like, yep, but the sign sure does. And I thought, dang, that'll preach right there. Because how many times do we see signs for something and that fear rises up inside of us and we, we start to overanalyze and we start to get our judgment clouded only to find out that the dog that lives there can't hurt us. It can't hurt us. It has nothing on us. Reminds me of my stepmom. My stepmom is the worriest person I've ever met in my life. In fact, every time I talk to my dad, she is always coming up with some sort of new disease that she is suffering with. Her favorite website in the world is WebMD. Uh, anybody go on WebMD? A couple of y'all, stop it, please. Please, it's not good for you. Uh, my stepmom, she loves it. Like every week, it's like, oh, dad, hey, how's it going? What's Nancy dealing with this week? And, uh, and so like one week, I was like, dad, just, just describe to me what Nancy has, you know? And I started typing stuff in WebMD, and I'm like, dad, how in the world does Nancy have testicular cancer? I didn't even know she had testiculars. I mean, that's just crazy. It's, it's like I don't even understand. 
But what happens is, is fear just clouds our judgment. We end up having these wild, irrational thoughts. And it just, it, it just becomes this struggle that we have in our life. Third thing fear does is fear has a tendency to control our life. Not only does it, does it consume our mind and cloud our judgment, but what ends up happening is as you let that fear breed, it ends up controlling your life. And this is where fear actually begins to have some physical ramifications on your life. It's where people can't sleep at night because those thoughts continually run and it causes them just to live it out over and over and over again. It's where people start suffering from headaches and migraines in life. It's where people's blood pressure starts rising. And we're not the only ones that have dealt with this. Jeremiah says in chapter six, verse four, we have heard the reports about them and our hands hang limp. Anguish has gripped us. Pain like that of a woman in labor. And this is what I found is that fear can be a, de a, a debilitating thing in our life. It can be this emotion that causes phys physical pain to actually come about in our life. And what happens is, is this, this fear ends up becoming interest paid on a debt that we don't even owe. We think we owe it, and so we just start already living it out and paying the interest on it, and it ends up eating our way, and it ends up undermining the faith that we should be living with. And I'm here to tell you today that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He would tell you and I today, he would tell us, hey, listen, you need to stop fearing. In fact, I want to go back to that verse. It goes, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us a power, love, and self-discipline. So if God has given us a spirit that is full of power, love, and self-discipline, what are some things that we can do to overcome fear in our lives? And if you're taking notes, the first one is this, is we have got to admit our fears. Here's what I know is that you will never overcome something that you don't know what it is. Like if you don't know why you're having those wild, irrational thoughts, if you don't know what's causing you to have anxiety in life, if you don't know what's causing you to stress and be afraid, you need to stop in that moment and go, why am I feeling this way and what is causing that? Because if you don't identify the problem, you can never remedy the problem. All you're doing is you're working on symptoms. It's kind of like practicing medicine, what doctors do. They don't ever really find out the problem. They just practice of what they see. And you need to dig dip, deeper than the symptoms to the source of the problem. And so you need to start digging down and going, well, why am I afraid in this moment? What's causing that fear? Like, and as you start digging down, you start to realize those fears. And the Bible tells us, confess your sins so that you can find healing. You wanna have some breakthrough in your life? You wanna have some healing happen in your life? You gotta be able to admit those things to God and some other people. This is what I'm dealing with. And if you're having trouble diagnosing what your problem is, that's one of the reasons why we encourage you to get involved in connect groups, get involved in some community, have some people that are further along with you in their spiritual walk go, hey, I'm struggling identifying what's going on. Can you help me see what I can't see? And then they can help you navigate some of that. You can admit those things to God and find some freedom in your life. As you admit those things, then what we need to do is we need to convert our fear into faith. We need to convert our fear into faith in life. Because this is what I know. The person that is a hero and the person that's a coward have the exact same fears. 
I don't know if you've ever thought about that. The person that excels in life and the person that fails in life, they both face the same fears. There's, there's not a difference in the fear aspect for either one of them. The difference is, is one of them chooses to live in their fear and the other one can, chooses to convert their fear to faith. That's the only difference between those two people. And a lot of times, our fears keep us from where God wants to take us to in life. And in every season, we're going to have the opportunity to choose which emotion we're going to follow, which path we're going to take. In fact, there's an old Indian proverb that talks about a grandfather and his grandson. And the grandfather is telling his grandson that, that inside of his grandson lived two wolves, and one of the wolves is full of peace and joy and faith and integrity and honor. And there's another wolf that lives inside of him that's full of anger, that's full of fear, that's full of bitterness, that's full of rage. And, and as this grandfather is telling this boy this story, the boy asks a great question. He goes, Grandfather, which wolf will win the battle that's going on? And the grandfather says, the one in which you feed. You know, your fear and your faith are both battling in your life. And the one that's going to win out is the one that you feed in life. And so if you feed your fear, you're going to live in a state of fear all the time. But if you feed your faith, you can live in victory in life. And it's a daily decision that we get to make. And listen, fear is not going to disappear, but you don't have to give it the attention it desires. You just don't. And this is what I would tell you. A lot of us, we're afraid of things. A lot of people are afraid of political climate right now. Don't let the world influence you more than God's words influencing you. And some of us, we're letting all these other arenas in life influence us when the reality is, is God's word should be the greatest influence in our hearts, in our minds, in our words, in our actions, in our life. And thirdly, we got to stay focused on today. We have got to stay focused on today because here is the devil's goal. The enemy's goal is to get you to focus on yesterday or focus on tomorrow and to miss out on today. He wants all of those areas. He wants your past to get the attention or he wants the someday to get the attention, but he doesn't want you to live in the present. He wants you to miss out on the present opportunity to overcome what is possible in your life. And here's how you know if you're staying focused on the present possibilities. When you start looking at your life and realizing, is, is fear leading my life? Here's how you know. If, if fear is leading your life, then Jesus is behind you. Because here's the deal. If Jesus is behind you, there is no light in your life. And when you're walking in darkness, it's always terrifying. But if you're following God, you're following light. And while it might be difficult to see, there's still a path that's illuminated. So a lot of us, what happens is, is we forge out into our own path, and we have Jesus carrying our stuff behind us, and we wonder why we're afraid. Come on now. The reality is, is if we put our attention and fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith today, then he'll lead and he'll guide us and he'll focus not on yesterday or not on tomorrow, but right now in this present moment. 
which is where God wants every single one of us. And so today, what I want to do is I want to focus on one fear in particular. I want to focus in on this fear of rejection because I think this is one of the greatest fears that people face every day. It's this idea of what do people think of me? And there's a verse in Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. It says the fear of man. The fear of man has two words to describe it. It has the words acceptance and it has the word rejection. Those are the two things that describe the fear of man. And a lot of us have made some bad decisions in our life based on the fear of rejection. We weren't able to say no to things that we knew were wrong because we didn't want to be rejected by people. We wanted to be accepted by people. We wanted to be loved by people. In fact, growing up, this is how I lived. I wanted to be accepted by my parents. I wanted to be accepted by my friends. I wanted to be a part of that community that was happening. I wanted to be a part of those relationships. I wanted to be a part of that club. And so therefore, I made a lot of poor decisions that would get me accepted by people in life when in reality, the more I tried to be accepted by people and please people, the more I realize that if you try to please everyone, you please no one. Some of y'all are learning that right now. You're trying to please everybody in your life and you're pleasing no one. And so what you do is you spend your entire life trying to impress people, trying to impress family, trying to uh, impress uh, coworkers. And what the Bible tells us is, is that is a trap. He says it's actually a snare and it will destroy you. And we are the first people. In fact, the first king of Israel, his name was Saul. He dealt with this very thing. He dealt with this need to be accepted in life and it caused so much trouble in his life. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, it says, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Saul is the king of Israel, and but yet he even in the midst of all of his power, all of his authority, he had this innate desire to be accepted by people. So he gave in to people and rejected God's command. He wanted acceptance so bad. And by going after the acceptance of people, what ended up happening is he ended up getting rejected by God. And some of you have been rejected in life. Some of you have experienced the pain of rejection. And that fear of rejection has made you unable to love, has made you unable to put yourself out there. In fact, if you've experienced rejection, you some of the symptoms of that might be like, you say things like, I'll never love again like that. I'll never give my heart to those people. I'll never open myself back up. What has happened in your life is because you've been rejected, your heart is starting to get hardened to other people, and so you wall yourself off. In fact, the Bible talks about this in Proverbs 28. It says, blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. He says, when we harden our heart, when we harden up to what, what, what's happening in life, man, it, it, it causes trouble in our lives. So how do we break free of this bondage? How do we break free of this fear of man, of, of desiring acceptance or, or, and, and trying to run away from this fear of rejection in life? And, and it's really simple. I think the Bible breaks things down really, really simple. And if we're going to overcome this fear of rejection, we've got to say no to pleasing people. We have got to say no to pleasing people. Every day you're going to have an opportunity to cave in to please people. In fact, in Isaiah 51, it says, who are you that you fear mortal men? 
the sons of men, but who are but grass, that you forget the Lord your maker. Listen, every day you are going to have to decide who are you going to please. And if you choose, I'm going to please people, you're in and you're setting yourself up for a major, major trap. In fact, Paul responded in Galatians chapter one like this. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of men? He's like, man, is it all about pleasing people or am I trying to please God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. He says, listen, if you're gonna try to please God, you're gonna have a, a propensity to tick people off, which I'm extremely good at. So I, like, I know that that's true. But here's the deal. He's saying, listen, you're gonna have to make a choice. You can please God or you can please people, but you're never gonna please both. It's hard to do both of those. What Paul is not saying is he's saying, hey, listen, he's not saying go be rude to people. He's, saying, he's not saying go be a jerk. Like, I'm not gonna please you, I'm pleasing God. Like, that's not what he's saying. But he's saying every day we're gonna have to make a choice who we're going to please. And some of us, we're approval addicts and we're searching for approval continuously. And he said, man, we gotta break free of that. We gotta say no to pleasing people. But we do have to say yes to pleasing God. We've got to say yes to pleasing God because here's the deal, we're living for an audience of one. In fact, Jesus said in John 5, verse 30, he said this, he said, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. Jesus said, man, I don't live to please people. I don't even live to please myself. I live to please an audience of one. And I believe the reason Jesus was successful is because he was living to please an audience of one. He realized what was the important authority in life to follow. I learned this back in high school. I had a my senior year, I had a study hall period. And uh, my study hall period teacher was uh, a coach named Coach Meckley. He was our football coach. He was our athletic director. And, and during that study hall period, uh, because I played football, I would get an opportunity to run errands for Coach Meck, which meant I could go wander the school. What he'd do is he'd write me a hall pass. And so that meant I could go hang out. I could go walk the halls. I'd be walking around. I'd see friends. I'd go hang out with them and be like, what's up? You know, and high five and all that kind of stuff. They'd be like, what are you doing out here? And I, I'd flip out my hall pass. I'd be like, hall pass suckers. You know, and I'd be like, I'd be showing it off. And, and then I'd get done with my conversation. I'd start walking around the hall. I'd just roam the halls. And, and like a security, one of the security guards would be like, McCormick, McCormick, get over here. What are you doing? And I'd walk over there. And he'd be like, why aren't you in class? And I'd be like, Hall pass, sucker, you know, and uh, because I knew what the hall pass did. It meant that I didn't, it didn't matter what anybody else said. It didn't matter what a teacher said. It didn't matter what a principal said. It didn't matter what my friend said. It didn't matter what the security guard said because I had the approval of the one I needed to be where I was. Some of us, here today, we have not realized the power of the hall pass. And see, you and I, we've got a hall pass. It's called God's Word. It's not subject to anybody else's judgment. In fact, it says that we only need to please one. 
And because we're free just to please that one, we're free from the judgment of people. We don't need their approval. We don't need their adoration. We don't need their love because we got everything we need right here from the one who can fulfill it all. And God says, man, if you want to break free from being an approval addict, from being afraid of people's rejection, then you got to find the source of everything, and that's me. Some of you guys, you've been allowing that fear to consume your mind. You've been allowing fear to control your life. You've been allowing fear to cloud your judgment. And today, God wants to set you free. And the Bible tells us who the Son sets free is free indeed. He says, man, you can be free at last. You don't have to, you don't have to live under that cloud any longer. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you. And I know that there's people that have been living under a spirit of fear and timidity for a long time, God, and you want to break them free. You want them to experience true hope, true acceptance, true approval, true love like never before. And that can't be found in any relationship. That can't be found in pleasing their mom. That can't be found in pleasing their dad. That can't be found in getting the right set of friendships. But God, that can only be found in you and in your son, Jesus Christ. Maybe today you need to accept Jesus. Maybe you need to find a relationship with God. I'm going to ask Pastor Steve to lead you.